Welcome to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Stacy, and today we're here to talk about trade secrets, baseball, and stealing signs. Uh, it's an odd combination, but luckily we have uh, Cheryl Garko from Oric to guide us through this uh, rather odd topic today. Cheryl is a, a partner at Oric and a nationally recognized IP litigator. Could say not associated with either the Houston Astros or the Toronto Blue Jays. So Cheryl, how do we get from the, the world of trade secrets, which is usually about, or at least people think it's usually about high technology, but now we're all the way to baseball. How do we get there? So this all comes out of the Houston Astros uh, sign stealing cheating scandal that folks may recall. So this all kind of broke in 2019, 2020 but related back to uh, some conduct that occurred during the World Series and during the 2017 baseball season and heading into 2018. This all came about because there was an article that was reported, I believe, in The Athletic that talked about the fact that the Astros were stealing signs, stealing pitching signs. And it was subsequently confirmed by one of the Astros pitchers that was uh, played on the team during that series that that was, in fact, what was happening. So based on that, Major League Baseball launched an investigation and in early 2020 confirmed that this was in fact the case, that the Astros had placed a camera out in center field to capture the pitching signals and was relaying that video feed back to the dugout where folks from the dugout would then communicate to the batter what the pitch was that was coming. And it seems like this evolved a little bit in terms of their scheme where initially they were uh, trying to clap or whistle to, to demonstrate what this, to tell the hitter what the signal was. And it eventually evolved to a, they were banging on a trash can. And that a bang on the trash can made it what, meant that it was an off-speed pitch and no bang meant that it was a fastball that was coming. Because of that, there was a pitcher for the Blue Jays, he pitched during 2017, who claimed that he had an absolutely disastrous game because the Astros were using this signal stealing scheme against him. And it resulted in him just having a terrible performance where I think he was up there for just a small portion of an inning and had four hits off of him. And he was subsequently sent down to the minors immediately following that game. So he went on to say to, to not have a particularly illustrious career following that. He spent some time in the minors. And then it, apparently, according to his pleadings, wasn't able to get a job in US baseball after that. And so he's been struggling a bit. So as a result, he filed a complaint against the Houston Astros, claiming that they misappropriated the Blue Jays, or rather his trade secrets in those pitching signs. Look, this sounds like a, a classic case of cheating orchestrated by a group that uh, never saw Ocean's Eleven. This was not well done, though it seemed to be effective until they got caught. But how do we go from cheating in a baseball game to a trade secret lawsuit? Yeah, so the claims are, you know, it, it's a creative tactic for sure. So the claims revolve around the fact that, and the picture was uh, Mike Bolsinger. Basically, he says that those signals were his trade secrets that meet the definition of a trade secret, that they're kept secret, and that they get the value from being kept secret. And because of that misappropriation, he was harmed. So he filed a lawsuit in 2021, first actually filed in California, which was dismissed, and then later filed in Texas, alleging that the Astros misappropriated his trade secrets and basically claiming that the resulting damage to his career, the loss of earnings, the loss of reputation, and 
the unjust enrichment that the Astros got out of using this scheme are damages that are due to him. So he, he has a trade secret misappropriation claim based on this. He also had a conversion claim, which uh, really usually only relates to tangible property. Basically, he's trying to recover for the harm he believes that, was happen that happened to him as a result of being on the receiving end of this cheating scheme. So at the end of the day, this probably didn't give him what he really wanted was, was a career as a big league pitcher. But it is a good reminder that trade secrets are more than high technology. There's a lot more to them that people should be thoughtful about. Where do we go to start thinking about the breadth of trade secrets? It's really broad. So trade secrets is that really unique area of intellectual property where it can be pretty much anything. And everyone likes to use the classic examples of the recipe for Coke or the uh, Colonel's 11 herbs and spices that are in Kentucky Fried Chicken, that anything that is kept secret from the public and has value because it is kept secret from the public can constitute a trade secret. So it really can be any range of things so long as that meets that definition. So it can be incredibly high tech and we often deal in cases that are software and source code and things like that, but it can be really low tech. It can be drink recipes and food recipes and very simple things, as long as it meets that, that definition. What about business information? One of the classics is a customer list. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everything ranging from customer lists, even processes of how you recruit customers, marketing materials potentially that are only used internally and not shared externally, that you can you talk about how you talk to your customers, those types of things. As long as you keep things secret and use reasonable measures to keep that information secret, it really can be anything. And you know, we counsel clients all the time on thinking about what their trade secrets are and how they should be protected. And one of the first conversations we always have with them is think really broadly. What are the things that would damage your company if they got out to a competitor? Anything that falls in that category, we should be talking about whether it's a trade secret, regardless of what it is. Back to baseball signs. These likely a trade secret? Probably not. While a lot of things can be a trade secret, you do have to meet that definition, that two-prong definition of secrecy and value derived from that secrecy. And I think there's a challenge in both of those here. And a lot of this is pointed out in the Astros motion to dismiss that they filed in response to the complaint. To argue this a secret is, is really stretching what the limits of secrecy potentially could be because the pitching signals are visible to lots and lots of people in stadiums that hold thousands and thousands of people. They may not be visible to people sitting behind home plate, but they're visible to people in the outfield who using binoculars, the camera, really good eyesight, may be able to see them. You know, they're visible to the runner who's on second base. The idea that they were kept secret is really a stretch, which is I think why there are rules related to what you can do with respect to signals. And I think it's somewhat of an acknowledgement of the fact that it isn't something that really lends itself to being secret because of the nature of what it is. I think there's some creative arguments that have been made here around the fact that it's secret from the batter and that's where it gets its value from for that split second in between when the pitch is called and when the pitch is released because certainly once the batter receives it he knows what kind of pitch he got and everyone who's seen that signal can now correlate the two so there's not a lot of work to be done here either to decipher the code as it were you know, there's only so many hand signals that are typically given. There's only so many pitches that are called. So this isn't something that takes a lot of reverse engineering. Any argument that's to be made here more really just centers around the idea of focusing on the batter and that super narrow time period 
where there is value to the batter not knowing what pitch has been called. It's a great point. The other 10,000 people in the stadium may all know exactly what's going to happen. There's only one person that information secret from. Exactly. And he may be the most important person that he, that is secret from in that moment, but that's not really how the law looks at trade secrets. It looks at the secrecy a bit more broadly. And the idea that you could disclose it to lots and lots of people, but keep it secret from one, isn't really a theory that's supported in the way that trade secrets are, are considered. It's novel, for sure, in terms of an argument. Let's assume for a moment that they could have made an argument this was a trade secret. Well, all cases have to be associated with a damages model. Is there any way to link the damages back to this individual pitcher's game? I think that's the second real challenge that's at issue here is that there's a lot of steps in between, right? There's an instance where he's blaming basically the entire trajectory of his career on this one incident. And I'm sure he is a lovely person and probably a very good pitcher, certainly better than I will ever be, but he's a person who went up and down between the minors and majors a number of times. He didn't have a consistent track record going in. And that's what the things are that the Astros would focus on, certainly, that this wasn't any sort of guaranteed income stream, that, that this incident of running into their, sci into their science dealing was the cause of these latter results in his career. And I think that's a huge challenge. It's really, there's two pieces here. There's causation and there's apportionment when you think about damages. And getting to the causal element, I think there's just an enormous challenge there of saying that this, this one incident, this one small portion of an inning is solely responsible for the remainder of his career is a very hard thing to do. And even if it's responsible for one portion, trying to quantify that is also incredibly hard, particularly in an instance like this where compensation is really individualized. It's very performance dependent based on track records and histories and signing deals for any number of reasons of why organizations want to enter into contracts with particular players based on their needs and all that. So it's certainly a model. You could come up with a, with a way to potentially try to tie these two things together, but it's pretty attenuated in trying to get there. We learned one, one thing from the Astros, and that's that cheaters sometimes do win, but there's some embarrassment to come with that afterwards. And then now we learn from this that sometimes it's just better to walk away than, than think there's going to be a remedy in court. Sometimes too much creativity in a legal argument is not a good thing. I think that's exactly right. I think this is one of those instances where, unfortunately, this is a bit of an overreach to try to have a result from that from a specific incident where it's really not that specifically tied to the overall outcome. So it's, again, the creativity is to be valued, but sometimes it's a bit of an overstep. And I think this is what we're seeing here. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, a fun topic, um, a little bit lighthearted, but there's a lot to be learned from trade secrets being a, a broad right, not just a, a high tech issue. So thank you. Thanks so much, Wayne. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.